Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Miles Offside podcast. Oh, what's that? A bit of a different intro. Yeah, you love it, don't you? My name is Chuck Bailey, and with me, as always, is our super producer, Ian Stimpson. Ian, um, we obviously recorded our FPL podcast um, during my daughter's birthday. I'm now recording this one, <laughs> um, Missing Bake Off. So if we can make it quick, oh. that'd be great. <laughs> okay. Uh, more more worried about Bake Off, are we? Because we spent a good half hour, 40 minutes doing the FPL pod on uh, on your, this, the day of your daughter's birthday. Look, look um, you know, my daughter will turn three, you know, yeah, sure, once. But, you know, I want to see Jürgen <laughs> making some German bread. So Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It is German week as well. Exactly, exactly. So we are obviously one third down this week, as you can tell. Um, Oscar is a bit under the weather, so we wish him all the best. However, joining us, making his very first mop debut, he is a patron of this lovely podcast. Some would call him the Gordon Gecko of the mop oeuvre. (laughs) <laughs> FPL shagger himself he'll support Tottenham no matter what you say about oh them goodness. it is the one and only Jeff Pedder welcome Jeff uh, well thank you very much for that interesting uh, introduction uh, very much appreciate the opportunity to come on uh, not sure you know what you've let yourself in for but uh, excited for it <laughs> Uh, although I'm, I'm interested to hear this is my first debut. I, I want to know when my second debut is going to be. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, your second debut where, is when you uh, you head off to other podcasts around Europe and then you come back many years later. Um, it will be your debut, uh, even though you've done it before. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, also, in that brilliant intro, Chuck, uh, FPL Shagger was quite prominent. That means Jeff now can't say to his wife, oh, I was on a podcast. Do you want to listen to this? <laughs> I mean, you know, that that was my key concern when Chuck said that, you know. know, (laughs) What, your wife listening to this podcast specifically or? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that was the first thing I was going to do once we'd finished was uh, make sure sure she got got in her ears. Sit down. (laughs) But enough about your private life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can't stop with the innuendo. Yeah, no, this will be a dangerous game otherwise and then your wife definitely won't listen. Um, Not that she ever does before, has before. Um, We will start... As ever, and I will do my best in my very best Oscar ways to do our famous segment, <coughs> Rapid, Rapid, Rapid Fire News. Our top story this evening, the Premier League has announced that 68% of all Premier League players have now had both doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, with 81% having at least one jab. This comes obviously after big pushes on social media about how low the percentages are in the Premier League of professional sportsmen and uptaking this. So it's got to be a good thing, right, gents? I'm still surprised it's that low, to be honest. I mean, I, I saw a report earlier that said, you know, only a few months ago it was down at 40%. Um, mm. I suppose they've got their own individual bubbles and they're they're operating in a slightly different world. But yeah, still a little bit surprising that it's, it's that low. But yeah, the, you know, obviously the closer we can get to 100 and the quicker, you know, the better for all concerned. Definitely. I mean, it, it is at least heartening that, did you say 81 had had their first first dose? Yeah, so presume, eight, yeah. 81% first okay. dose. So presumably there's an intention to continue with and, uh, and have the second dose. You know, that's not a, an anti-vaxxer sentiment if you're if you're having the first dose. So hopefully they'll be able to get up. It's a bit tardy, but hopefully they'll be able to get up to decent levels 
soon. I mean, it'd be nice to get close to 100, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you do wonder what, what doesn't get necessarily submitted in these is the age profile of the players they're including. Like, are they including, you know, some clubs where potentially their ages, they wouldn't have been offered the vaccines in time. Um, I know there was um, Callum Robinson who... You know, he was coming out even though he'd contracted COVID twice, saying he wasn't going to be vaccinated, uh, which kind of ran in tandem to uh, Klopp saying 99% of of the (laughs) Liverpool squad had been vaccinated. Which, considering there's not a hundred of them, makes me think which player (laughs) (laughs) isn't there. But, I mean, it's about national average. National average for for two doses between the ages of 18 and 36 is is knocking on about 60-odd percent anyway, so... You know, oh, at least it's... not round near me. Jesus, I think Peterborough is pushing up the national average of cases at the minute. Fucking hell. Yeah, but but you know, asbestos doesn't cure all. That's the problem no. with Peterborough. <laughs> There's many many problems. <laughs> this is it. Oh, speaking of uh, posh, we haven't done uh, posh island for a little bit. You, yeah, uh... there's a fucking good reason oh. and all. Okay, there we go. Twenty third in the league. Um... <laughs> only kept off. Only kept off the bottom by Derby's points reduction. <laughs> And it, and it all started so well. Well, uh, <laughs> define well, Jeff. I just feel there was some sort of level of positivity coming from Peterborough in the early parts of the season. Maybe it was just one episode. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah. I think it might have been. Yeah. There's been no, no positivity, certainly not from the chairman, who's getting increasingly more irate on Instagram, which is always a joy. Do you mean, is it not just on his podcast, The Inside Story, colon, backslash, Darren McAntony, <laughs> The Real the Quiz, truth. <laughs> featuring Sue Cook, or whatever it's called? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Oscar would describe that as, like, the very definition of a boomer podcast, wouldn't it? <laughs> just, like, his, his picture with him folded arms, The Hard Truth with Darren McAntony. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Well then, uh, speaking of hard truths, in a way, I guess I'm not great at these links. Our next story, Premier League clubs have voted to block sponsorship deals linked to new owners. Uh, There was obviously a vote of all 20 teams. Two of them were in favour of allowing uh, owner-linked sponsorship. Guess on the two, Newcastle Man City, with 18 Mm -hmm. other clubs voting in favour to ban that. Obviously, this is after the... um, What could have precipitated this vote? hmm, I wonder, could it be definitely not the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia buying a team? Was it not that Man City, they didn't vote for it, did they? Didn't they abstain from uh, voting at all? Sure, why not? (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, Jeff, you're absolutely right. Newcastle wanted to keep it. Man City have saying Probably thought it was best keep, keep your nose to try on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ju- ju- yeah just, just the sort of uh, the sort of river they don't want to wade in with their shit-covered boots. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely. This is it. Yeah, obviously this comes... Uh, City famously had the, uh, the Etihad sponsorship of the stadium, the Etihad-owned Etihad Stadium, for uh, <laughs> in a 400 million deal which was obviously cleared due to administrative errors on UEFA's part um but does it feel a bit like uh sour grapes people shitting themselves worrying like what if Newcastle come in and we can't just get three points every week it also doesn't it doesn't matter they will find another way to I mean is this because of FFP that they aren't allowed to yeah you know load money onto the club via sponsorship well 
They'll find other ways to do it. This is not a thing that's going to just stop and go, oh, no, really? Oh, we'll call it off then. Knock it on the head if we can't do some dodgy sponsorship deal. They'll just they'll do whatever they want to find a way to get through FFP. I guess the theory is the other ways would need to be more creative, creative. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and possibly then easier to uh, to uncover uh, if there's any sort of desire, of, which is very unlikely from UEFA, <laughs> to administer any sort of FFP punishments. Um, but yeah, I think I think because they, you know, because FFP works on a rolling three-year uh, kind of deal, they're currently in profit, but they'd need to continue to up, uphold that profit, kind of as as time goes on. Like none of it fucking matters, does it? It does. It does. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, obviously, it's been done to death about this deal, but the the silence from the actual league is absolutely deafening and the fact that you know everyone criticized people on sky sports and whomever whether it's jamie carragher's links to um rubin one of the part owners or or whatever like these shouldn't be the people that are fucking commenting on it ultimately and and being the ones who are the the voice of this deal having to defend whether or not it's morally just like you're, you're, the Premier League have come out and said, "Oh, we see. We've received legally binding assurances that the Saudi state would not control the club. They've received a fucking bung. Is what they've received. <laughs> like it's cash and money talks. Let's face it. That's what it is. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty easy to publish this evidence that suddenly came to light once the B in sports thing had been uh, cleared up. You know, that, that happened very similar similar times. You know, it'd be very easy to put out this evidence, wouldn't it?" Well, and it's not like they waited any significant length of time since the B in Sports deal was was concluded before it all kind of got wrapped up. It was on the same day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about thirty-seven minutes later, probably. <laughs> so ridiculously transparent. How long? How long do, does it send take to send a fax? Is that that's what it? Is? <laughs> I don't know. Fax. They still do that. That's how they still do deals, isn't it? That's yeah. how all transfers are done. So it's got to be done with clubs like that, surely. Just to imagine, uh, you know, the Saudi government just crowded around the fax yeah. machine going, has Mike Ashley done it? Has he signed it and sent it back? He's going running around sports direct offices trying to find a fax machine. Yeah, and let's face it, Ashley has not invested in tech beyond the fax machine. He's too busy <laughs> saving British homes to Yeah. And selling giant <laughs> mugs. Um, speaking of giant mugs, England have been given a one-match stadium ban following unrest at the Euro 2020 final. We all obviously saw the scenes, uh, which were to do with fans charging through the gates, um, rushing into stadiums, fights, all these kind of things. Um, the FA has been fined €100,000 for the lack of order and discipline inside and around the stadium. Um <laughs> Let's face it, do do we think this is, I mean, fair enough, I believe that there should be a punishment, but do you think it does anything? I mean, it's working wonders for racism, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it just? Um, I think it's one of those things where you, you know, you can't get upset about other um, countries' misbehaviour. And I'm, I'm, we always focus on racism, so you can't equate the two, you know, here, because... Uh, it's it's not the same. But then, you know, a lot of families and stuff were reporting that they were feeling, you know, scared on the day, which is not how you want to be. So, you know, we, we can't get all high and mighty about one thing is what I'm saying and then and then not high and mighty about the other just because we're involved, you know. I think a, a, a one-match stadium ban and a fine is absolutely fair. It could have been a lot harsher, to be honest. I think there's one suspended as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, whatever that it, means. 
Oh, we banned you for a match. I suspended for if two years. If we do years. it again, then, you know, we get another one. Well, right. yeah, I'd expect that. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it, you know, so you're going to get one one match in Wembley being deserted. It's not a good look, you know, uh, when you're looking to put together a World Cup bid, as I assume we always are. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's sort of fair and reasonable. You know, it's, it seems about right. You know, British fans just... English fans, sorry, just don't yeah. <laughs> seem to be able to contain themselves in these situations. But we could have predicted this, couldn't we? You know, England. You know, as in what I'm saying is the security and the policing situation was terrible on the day. Yeah, but that's but that and that's the thing. And like, I, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Jeff. But at what point does it? You know, y- you've got a load of stewards in the stadium on whatever they're on. Like, they're not going to fucking stop them. So, at what point should it be the Met? You know, as opposed to the FA getting the blame for this. Well, and that was going to be my question is, you know, who is responsible for the organisation of the stewarding on the day? Is it is it the Met or does that come from the FA with guidelines? I, I, I genuinely don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a joint effort between the FA and uh, the, the Met police and that. And usually these sorts of security things, especially for something like the Euros final, these things get signed off from UEFA you know, who are the people who are now punishing us. So mm. it's sort of, you know, the, the the security plan will have been signed off, but you just get, you know, so many fans without tickets getting so close to the stadium. Well, they they, they estimated just, that know. day that there were a quarter of a million people in and around the stadium. A quarter of a million because of people going there to be part of the atmosphere, as well as, you know, because there are obviously the, the good people that just paid for their ticket and wanted to go and enjoy the game, as is yeah. their want. But then you get a load of absolute pricks. Now, you you wonder now, obviously, the FA have to pay the price. And, I, now of course, comparing it to the racism is, is agreed. Yeah. Like, it's, it's completely different things. It's apples to oranges. But banning people from the stadium because of the actions of people who never had tickets... Yeah, a that's bit interesting. Different yeah. to having fans literally in the stadium. Those are the ones who have racism. You know what I mean? Like I can equate the two a bit better. Obviously, a hundred percent, we deserve to be punished. That it's just disgusting, and on international stage, it, it to not do something would be ridiculous. I just think it's it's just a bit of a, an odd one that mm. y- you know the FA are responsible for what happens in the stadium, sure, but this didn't happen in the stadium. I guess then what what would a uh an appropriate punishment be if it's not to the, the organisation and, and the team that plays under them? Um, we get Sven back. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, we, have to, we have to give Allardyce his contract back. Yes, 100% England record. Let's go. The greatest manager in England's history who can skull pints of wine. You just got to follow the stats, haven't you? You just got to, guys. Just look at the stats. Just look at the stats, Mister One Hundred Percent. I wish I could be him. Never mind. Um, and to round us off is the beginning of our new segment. Yeah, I was waiting to hear his name. That's all, but fine. Press the, press the button. Press the oh, fucking okay. button. Yes, that's right, Doctor Doctor Marcus Rashford. Naked player, get it 
Thank you. That's up in the runtime. Um, has been told by manager, quote unquote, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that he needs to prioritise his football. This is following Marcus Rashford recovering from a surgery that he took. Um, meanwhile, he was feeding kids. And the reason for the surgery was because for a whole year, he played in absolute pain in order to carry that fucking jobber. Um, <laughs> might bury the lead with that one and how I feel. But how are you thinking about what Ole has said, Jeff? It's so out of touch with, with every everything else that anybody is saying. And it's almost a little bit of a, a playbook from you know Alex Ferguson himself you know how <laughs> how else can I distract from the failures of this team and my role in in that um you know one of, one of the quotes was you know he's had time to reflect you know what he's done off the pitch because he's done some fantastic things but now he needs to maybe prioritize on his football because he's got a challenge on his hands here at Manchester United and he had his, a challenge on his hands to play for England it's like just shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I, yeah, I think it's pretty succinct. Like, how can you be... I mean, you said it, Ian. Like, read the fucking room. Don't don't be... I mean, A, you're awful at your job. So telling him <laughs> to prioritise football is ridiculous, especially because... And I mean, we'll, we'll link this because we will talk about how garbage Man United were in their match against Leicester. But, like, he came on as a sub and scored pretty much... Like, pretty soon afterwards. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say he's pretty good at football and feeding kids <laughs> and getting multiple doctorates and being involved in the fight of thank you fight against racism and you know being told to ignore that publicly by your manager a fucking white manager as well like just read the room on so many levels <laughs> yeah, i hadn't even thought about that actually yeah that's that's not a good look is it like if we were to, if we if we've seen this fans... is marcus alonso plus yeah like oh no this is the gesture we're going for you're a fucking wow i really think that ole should prioritize his football um to be honest and you know we don't have to talk about it much because we do hate that game uh, that team sorry but we are going to start here with just a little bit of time on uh, our first fixture which is Leicester 4 Manchester United 2 uh, Leicester winning the xg battle here 3.1 to 1.3 now considering Leicester recently have been a team to get at like that's a comprehensive yeah. dismantling of, well, I mean, they're about as structurally sound as IKEA furniture at this point, I think. <laughs> I think that's doing a, a disservice to IKEA furniture because, as you say, structurally, Man United are just all over the place. There's so much space between the defence, midfield, attack, uh, let's call them the shelves of the IKEA furniture. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, it was... It's really, really poor. And I think it's, you know, Leicester, who, like you say, aren't in great shakes themselves at the minute, will have come to this game and think, thinking, you know, home game against Man United, we can get at them at the minute. This is not... So, the, the fear factor just is non-existent with Man United at the minute, isn't it? And, you know, Brendan Rodgers, you can say a lot about him, but I think he can generally motivate a team. And fucking hell, they looked motivated, didn't they? Leicester looked... Like they were just happy to get at Man United immediately. No, no worries at all. No fear at all. And they were just cutting through them at times. I mean, it was it was very very poor from Man United. I don't I don't know how good it was from Leicester, but it was very very poor from Man United. Yeah, I think I think it was a combination of the two. There was 
if you if you look at it kind of structurally, and you know, I know the the, the central defensive midfielders, whoever they are, whether it's uh, Matic, Fred, McTominay, Pogba, whoever plays in that in that two, they often get criticised, and it, and you know, the common thing is Man United needed a new DM, and mm-hmm. they do, they do, to be fair, but. It's also really difficult for whoever's playing there when the front four are so out of shape or you know trying to cover for the guy up front who doesn't move and therefore they're pulled out of position and then the, the two defensive midfielders are either being dragged horizontally or vertically depending on whether it's being played through the gap out wide or through the centre of the pitch and they're, they're covering so much ground because the shape of the team is non-existent. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're at, you're at the back four, and you know ch- you know if you if you're going to give up that many chances, especially to you know quality players as Leicester have in this example, then you're going to be punished. I mean, you know, Maguire was absolutely oh, you know, disgusting. Let's 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 focus on that for a minute. <laughs> awful, and I'm sure Leicester fans standing there were going brilliant. We got 80 million for him, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know we've always said about Leicester's recruitment that they never look like they miss the player that they sell. And fuck yeah, they'd be so happy with that. And I think you're exactly right, Jeff. That no matter what, whomever plays in that, you know, the the holding midfielder position is is fucked because. You know, in this situation, you've got Pogba who wants to go forward. Um, Sancho, I mean, he's getting pelters, but like he's come into a team that isn't coached, that doesn't have a format, that we've said for God knows how long rely on individual moments of brilliance. And I, I don't know whether to be happy or frustrated that I'm seeing now more and more in the mainstream kind of match of the days and those kind of things that they're literally saying exactly that all of a sudden the the key, there seems to have been a key change on who Ole is and that he's not a good manager because he's not managing this team it's just go out and do whatever and i think the yeah. fact that they've brought in just because they could this year one of quote unquote the greatest players in the history of football and now it's exposing him even more that, oh shit, you're just not doing anything. And so I think like Sancho making a bad start to the season is because he's a young player that needs to be told probably what to do and expect his team hmm. to have a cogent system around him that he can look for that pass. Because funnily enough, he could do it really well at Dortmund with Erling Haaland there yeah. and, and the rest yeah. of that system because they're a well-drilled team. And like this United team, like, the defence is always under so much pressure because they're having to defend for their fucking lives all the time or they're Maguire who just looks like he's out for a picnic um, and as the turning circle of the Titanic that they're just <laughs> it's never going to be successful and I'm I'm here for it I just don't want Ole to get fired <laughs> <laughs> no no one wants that <laughs> no one wants that yeah I mean you're absolutely right about the the, the mainstream media like catching up on what Quite a, you know, quite a few of us, and I talk about us meaning people in the Slack on our Patreon, and us, and a couple of other like smaller podcasts that I listen to that weren't just wholesale accepting this. He must not be named, you know, hype. So, Mm -hmm. like you say, the Ole thing, uh, you know, they seem to finally be catching up on that. Fucking dickhead from Portugal, you know, they're finally catching up on. He does no pressing whatsoever. No. We said that he's not going to do any of that because of his age and the fact he's never really done it anyway. You, when you've got him and and Sancho, who is 
you know, a super attacking player. And exactly what you said, when he was at Dortmund, where they pressed constantly, he was able to be that attacking player because a lot of the pressing was being done from the front anyway. So mm-hmm. they would just instantly be on, on any teams who were tr- trying to counter. So it's just... It's just they're nowhere near. They're nowhere near with the the players they've got, and that's insane to me. Mm-hmm. But also, I think let's you know there there is the point about the the lack of pressing coming from the the, the the top of the pitch and how that impacts then the rest of the team out of possession. But there is also a big problem when they're in possession. They they are mm. completely unable to break down a team or create high quality chances unless they're on the counter attack. But they but they don't press enough to to get a counter. <laughs> this is the thing. It's just like play passively moves to them at some point and then there's no energy. But this is but this is why they tend to perform well in the in the games against the other well, I'm not gonna say big six, but the other the other well-renowned teams, um, <laughs> the, because, because yeah. the other because those teams do dominate possession and they're forced to drop back, and then they are, are you know kind of given those opportunities on the break. When they're in possession against any sort of team that wants to sit deep or put a low block in place, they don't have a clue, and it does rely on you know, and they keep getting away with it because they have got a lot of good players, but there's no sense of strategy around kind of overloading one side, targeting a particular fullback or centre-back, um, having people drop deep with runners going beyond. There's there's nothing. It's just, mm-hmm. well, who's, who's going to put one in from 30 yards? Yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> well, Greenwood, Greenwood's Greenwood. been having a lot of fucking goes, hasn't he? Jesus Christ. There were some lovely goals in this game. I mean, Greenwood's, you know... It, was an absolute slap and it's probably the only way he's going to get a goal at the minute because no one's working their way into the box Um, and I feel like we're doing a bit of disservice to Leicester here because like we said before you know they've been on a bad run of form Ian Nacho getting starts again has been key I think into them again pressing from the front and you know winning that ball back from uh, from Maguire to then give it to Tielemans who I don't even know how you describe it like he just just (laughs) when you first saw that did you think it was a cross um, because on 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 the replays, I I thought no, he's meant that. But at the first viewing, I thought, oh, you lucky bugger. Um, I think you always <laughs> will with first viewing, but I don't, but it was one of those ones where like then you watched it a second time and instantly it was like no, he meant it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like a. Yeah. I don't think there's an ongoing debate about it. He just a caressed lob. Just like oh, surreptitious. I would, I would agree with you, Jeff, as well. If it wasn't uh, Tielemans, because I think he always fancies himself in that situation to do something like that. Mm-hmm. He's uh, got that slight arrogant streak that you need, I think, to do things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you know they just they just pounded him afterwards. I mean, Marcus Marcus Rashford, um, Doctor Doctor Marcus Rashford. There we go. Oh um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did score a lovely breakaway goal showing that he was prioritising his football at the time that he was stood on a fucking football pitch and just just to confirm that was a breakaway goal just to clarify that you know to yeah we're we're not just rambling aimlessly to uh, to to beat on United you know the two goals they got in this game were a a long range screamer and a breakaway goal yeah you could say individual moments of brilliance Um, and then the fact (laughs) that it's always good when you're watching like match of the day and you see the kickoff after a goal because you're like, 
Why are they showing the kickoff directly <laughs> after a goal? And, oh, 15 seconds later, Jamie Vardy. That's why you're showing it. Just to go 3-2, instant reply. Patson Dakar um, scoring his first goal, uh, getting a bit of luck, but showing quick feet to, to sort himself out. Absolutely lovely stuff from Leicester. Um, anyway, let's move on and um, let's give uh, old Jeffy a time to shine, shall we? And, uh, you know, we we've, we've can be quite, um, well, one of us especially, can be quite harsh <laughs> on uh, your team, Tottenham Hotspur, but you uh, rampantly ran away winners against the uh, richest club in world football, <laughs> um, Newcastle 2 Tottenham 3 and a comprehensive 0.4 to 1.6 xg Jeff I mean you know the floor is kind of yours here buddy how are you feeling about this game how are you feeling about Tottenham this season what are kind of your tepid to hot takes <coughs> oh <coughs> shit my throat. Ready let's get ready no, no 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 searing hot takes I think it's been an interesting start under Nuno and I think you know the the last two games we're finally starting to see some sort of coach co- coherent strategy mm-hmm. and and kind of you know an understanding of the formation and the players and you know who's who's going to be playing together and how it best works i think you know the the first few games you know the first three one nil wins i don't think there was any kind of no one was getting ahead of themselves having watched the performances the wins were great but you know we we all saw the next couple of games coming. I think um, the Arsenal game was you know horrendous. On, I think you're skipping, many, I think you're skipping the game there, Jeff. I think you're skipping the game. Uh, uh, no, I don't don't think I am. No, 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 the no, 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 Arsenal game, it was like we weren't even there, right? And there was that was fortunately the last time we saw the four three three. Well, hopefully it will be the last time we we see it. Um, and it was also the <clears throat> kind of the game where I think Skip came on at half time and hasn't left the pitch since. And we're a much better team with him on. Him and Hoiberg have got a nice partnership build in there, and it allows the four in front of them to go off and do their business without kind of worrying what's happening behind them because those two are, are so solid. Um, I think one thing I really, really wanted to see come into this season was the re-emergence of Deli Alley. Unfortunately, right now, mm. we're, we're just a much better team with him on the bench. Um, I I really love Deli and I, I want it to work for him, but his... His his best position doesn't seem to really exist anymore. Uh, certainly not in in this team or in this formation or system. Um, and and on top of that, you know, and Dombele has gone from you know the lazy, overweight, you know, moments of sparkle, but you know, yeah. lot, lots of moments of frustration as well. And he's he's growing and growing with each game. Saturday was uh, sorry, Sunday was the first. 90 minutes he's completed in the league which is great to right, see okay. I think you know a lot of the time you get to 65 70 minutes and you can see him starting to blow and he, he might do one last sprint to, to close someone down or one last pressure and you think yeah he's off now uh, but he was still chasing and pressing in in the in injury time on on Sunday which is which is great to see because um, on the ball he's he's magical 
uh, his his strength, his balance, uh, his awareness. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a silky touch, uh, which reminds me of Berbatov in many ways. And it was probably it was probably his best game for Tottenham, but it was probably also Kane's best game this season. Um, not just for the the goal and the assist. I mean, lovely finish for the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but his general play, he was still linking play a little bit from deep, but he didn't need to as much because of Ndombele's presence. You know, you can you can tell when Kane starts to spray passes around that he's 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 feeling it. And he he sprayed some beautiful passes around on Sunday. Yeah, it did look like, and it, and he was. It wasn't just that he was, you know, obviously because you can drop deep and 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 remain there. But he was really busting a gut and linking up well. I think the whole front four uh, was it was much more watching the highlights. It, it looked a lot, a hell of a lot more coherent. And I don't know if that's because of you know the change of formation. I mean, and Dombele, I think it it kind of went under the radar a bit because of all the Kane stuff. But he was itching for a move as well, right? Well, I think both parties were. There was one stage where both parties would have been happy to move on and accept it as a failed experiment. But fortunately, that's not been the case. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's obviously put in the effort, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and Nuno seemingly has found a way to to get the best out of him. Uh, you know, I don't want him playing in the pivot. There's no, there's no kind of need for him to be there. He, you know, get him further forward. Get him kind of making things happen. And I think that was our best. That was our best eleven that we played, and and I think the the really interesting point for me was that there was no subs made by Nuno. And, no, and the, it was a strong bench. Um, Lo Celso, Delhi, uh, Bergvine was back from injury, um, you know, and then kind of a couple of solid defenders. But I think it was really interesting that he wanted to give that eleven as much time on the pitch together as possible, and I think that's that's probably a sign of things to come. I don't I don't see that eleven changing very often now right I mean the subs thing doesn't necessarily surprise me because he is the Portuguese Hodgson but you know it is, it is. <laughs> oh that hurts a little bit um but to see but I but I, but I think you're right and uh, uh, you know you you can only play who's in front of you and for all the glitz and glamour and uh obviously you know the the really classy fans choosing to to bring in Saudi Arabian flags and and mm. you know putting black and white towels on over their heads and stuff like that um seeing them depressed at the end of the game didn't fill me with joy uh obviously totally did um and let, let's not forget the opposition were pretty terrible you know we're, we're not going to play mm. Newcastle every week this this game this weekend's game against West Ham will be a real test they're they're a very good team mm-hmm. um that'll be a much better indicator of of kind of where we're where we are and how we're progressing but you know signs are, signs are positive you know there's no no one's getting carried away I'm certainly not but uh it's it feels feels all right at the moment yeah I mean you know if we go to pre-season obviously you entered the predictor league and you had um Tottenham as fifth I think as a, a lot of people do obviously Tottenham are fifth now are they blimey the only reason I react like that is because obviously the narrative this season, maybe we listen to Oscar too much, has been that Spurs have not been good. Um, so yeah, um, I maybe mm. I haven't had a look at the Premier League table before we start recording, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. surprised by that. Okay, I mean I think if you look at any of the the, the kind of the metrics, you know, attacking or defensive wise, you know, we're we're pretty low down on on mm. on all of them. But yeah, keep keep putting some. Keep putting results out of the bag. Where do you think, you know, you're going to... What would you say is acceptable now based on how you are this season, what your kind of expectations or top line is that you would love? I mean, I think, you know, 
the obviously the ambition has to be to to get back into the top four, you know. But being realistic, I don't know if that's that's possible. You know, the, the top three I think look after themselves, and then mm-hmm. it's and then it's probably any number of half a dozen teams battling for that full spot. Arsenal? Do you consider Arsenal there? Uh, no. To- no Totteringham's day this year? Do you don't think? <laughs> uh, when was the last one? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I no idea, but yeah, they're fucking. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think the aim, the aim has to be fourth. I would be more than happy with with fifth. Um, sixth would be okay. Below that, you're then moving into the realms of disappointment. Yeah, and I think you know, I mean, is Harry Kane back now after one one goal in the Premier League? After I think he scored. That's actually his thirteenth goal this season. But they've all been in the uh, conference, and which <laughs> sounds fun, um, and against like Andorra and stuff. So. <laughs> Do you think well, from here his season kind of begins proper or is it, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer at the minute? Well, I think that's always true. But I think the one thing if you look back at, well, there's two things. If you look at Kane historically, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, and, all right, he has scored for, for country um, and, and kind of, you know, cup competitions, etc. But he is usually a slow starter to the season. Um, the second point being, you know, he may have quiet spells and he certainly had one at the beginning of this season. They don't tend to last very long. You know, there's no no guarantees in life, but the way he looked on Sunday, the passes he was making, I, I, you know, don't be surprised if he scores, you know, 10 in the next 12. Okay. So get him in your fantasy team. Is that what you're saying? Silence. So <laughs> 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 you're not going that far yet. No, it's always good to uh, see, you know. I'll probably, I'll probably hold off on that. Okay. For for a few weeks. (laughs) The thing is with Kane as well, you know, we've said it before, the guy has just never had a break. And as in a. a, a None of these players have. Yeah, well, exactly. Time to let his body recover, you know. Well, I mean, a lot of people were saying, obviously, because there was, you know, the talk of Kane moving on, that his his head's gone. I mean, he might have just needed what everyone else had with a pre season. England have never gone that deep in a tournament. He's not had a break, you know, and he's not got the um, most robust of uh, bodies to deal with injuries, has he? So, you know, it might it might just be the the slow start just got a bit elongated this this season. Well, you know, we'll see. And and it goes back as well to the you know the, the players around him and the system that was being played. You know, I think I saw some some early chatter after you know four or five games of you know what's what's Kane doing and Kane's forms all over the place, and I'm thinking, well. He's not getting the ball. We're, you know the, the system that mm. we're playing and the, the you know the, the players that are playing, it's not coherent. We're not building any attacks. So yeah, he's not involved. But that's not always on him. You know, there's, yeah. there's other factors that you know have to help with that. I think with Nuno taking the step up as well, I thought I don't know maybe the first three one nil wins built expectation perhaps because there was you know they've they've been no media giving a new manager a chance with Nuno has there it's been sort of straight on Spurs are in crisis like straight away and uh, it's yeah it's a weird one because I think usually a manager especially a manager the media like like Nuno might have been Mm. given a touch more time before the me- the media went for the the jugular which hasn't happened yet i'm not saying they've gone for the jugular yeah but that but, doesn't you know. help that, that, that that's the kane saga that they wanted to push more than Nuno. that's true yeah that's true there were just some things just take time you know we've we've got romero's come in and him and dyer are start you know are trying to form a new partnership mm-hmm. um 
you know, that you've got a new fullbacks come in, a new new pair of uh, defensive midfielders kind of starting to play together. Mora started the season well, then went out injured. There's international, you know, breaks and travel, and you know, it's it's a bit of a shit show at the start of the season. So it's, you know, I think it, it takes a few games to. Yeah. to get into the swing of things. It's a bit of a shit show for a lot of teams. I mean, I, but something I didn't bother mentioning in news because I didn't warrant, want to warrant talking about it is FIFA have said today that, like, yeah, we're, from 2026, we're doing World Cups every two years. Like, that's the plan. So, I mean, that's going to be good. Like, I don't understand any of that. And also, having all this disjointedness, I don't understand why, if they want football to be a spectacle, why you don't keep all these players together as much as possible. Like why, you know, we've we've had two international breaks already. We've got a third in November. We've got a fourth in January. Mm. We've got a plan for a World Cup in in fucking December of next year. There's gonna discuss like how is any of this going to be good for football, for fans, for the players especially. Like and and then you know I I think everyone has the same. Nuno doesn't get his team to work with. Um, Klopp has players traveling all around and deals with um, you know quarantines and, and X Y Z. Every club has had it, and it just doesn't. I mean, none of it seems to fit or or make it seem like in any way we're progressing the game. Um, obviously, shout out Eric Dyer for a cheeky own goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I couldn't even yeah. understand what he was planning with the header in the first place um, to then knee it in. But obviously, John Joe Shelby had outdone himself um, with uh, twenty <laughs> within twenty three minutes of coming on. Coming uh, on <laughs> two yellow cards. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Is it fair to say that he's got that in him, and he is that sort of player? <laughs> <laughs> Just one other thing. Uh, props to Eric Dyer and also uh, Sergio. Yes, on, uh, absolutely. Pretty, uh, swift noticing and, and notification of officials to the, uh, the Newcastle fan, uh, who I, I think is, all, is is kind of okay or, or certainly on the mend by, by all reports. Yeah, as yeah. far as I'm aware, was stable and responsive in, in hospital yeah. um, as of last year. And I think you're 100% right. It, it shows. Good, good to see. Absolutely. It, it's it, That's what's important. Like, you know, the referee did stop the game for that. Um, the correct medical attention could happen, and I, and I think it's it's an incredibly honourable and lovely thing to see, and kind of humanises the whole thing, especially when it's um, cast against the the current circus that's going on around Newcastle United. Um, uh, you know, getting to see some decency from the stands. Right, let's talk about. Uh, thanks for that, Jeff. That's lovely to um, hear Tottenham without someone just going, "Oh, fucking shit, man." <laughs> Um, hurricane, so hurricane, mate, so hurricane. Where's Oscar from? Whoa, it's like he's in the room. Um, so let's talk about a team that fills Oscar with the absolute willies um, all over his face, neck, and chest. The absolute juggernaut at the minute that is Liverpool FC. I mean, it was only Watford, granted. Um, zero for Watford, as we all know. Five for Liverpool. Ranieri has sent an apology to Jurgen Klopp's mother. <laughs> and an XG of 0. 0.5 to 3.6. I mean, what a fantastic performance from a bunch of over-the-hill forwards. <laughs> Yeah, we really must keep reminding Oscar of that uh, wherever possible. Um, but they were just the hat tricks were all tap ins, though, weren't they? You know, <laughs> just, you know, come on, come on. 
Um, no, what? Yeah, what a brilliant performance. Uh, I just love seeing old firm Bobby's face. He's so happy whenever he, it all goes his way. It's just a happy smiling face, just delightful, makes me happy. Uh, everything about this performance made me happy because it was Watford. No, actually, that's not true because I do feel a little bit sorry for Ranieri. Why? Why? I, I just, because he's a lovely he's man. He's booked dilly himself ding, in dong. the <laughs> best payoff in two months. He's well. going to have Christmas off, for fuck's sake. And he's going to have at least seven million quid to enjoy it with. Like, why yeah. feel sorry for him? Okay, maybe not, but it the post match was hilarious when he was like, "Oh, maybe maybe uh, some of the players were a little nervous, wanted to impress the new manager." It's like, well, it's a funny fucking way of showing it because it was this wasn't players being overzealous and you know pushing forward where they shouldn't do and leaving gaps because they're trying to impress their manager with their attacking. But they just didn't turn up at all. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago. Adam said about. Um, Mari basically being retired by someone and, and then Milner being essentially retired by someone. I mean, Salah retired Cathcart, Rose. Danny Rose. I mean, anyone else? Because fuck me. It was just, he was just going through them like they weren't there. It was it was beautiful to watch. It really was. Something's happened with Salah. I mean, he's there's another one who... Passing to Mane? Uh, well, <laughs> what a pass. What a pass to Mane. I mean, unbelievable. But... He had um, like six or seven weeks off before the uh, season started. You know, he didn't go and play in a tournament. He didn't go to the um, Olympics, as was possibly mooted. And um, doesn't it show that he's well-rested and uh, it, it just looks unplayable at the minute. And this was a Watford team who I think struggle against mid-table Premier League teams. So, good Lord, they just got absolutely eviscerated, didn't they? Yeah, he's just a joy to watch at the moment, Salah. I really want to hate him because he plays for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But it's just really difficult to. And, and I, know, I agree with Firmino as well. Like, when he scores, he's, you know, I don't understand his celebrations or what he's trying to do or, or <laughs> communicate to the fans. But but it's just so full of joy. It's, it's lovely to see. Um, yeah. Their, was it their third or their fourth goal? It was just, it was such beautiful football where you know, kind of Milner went, went, kind of passed the ball around to the left and then overlapped um, and fizzed it in for Firmino to tap it in. But That, that was actually the up, second. That was the second. That was uh, only the second all, goal, all, all easy to mix up, of course. <laughs> but it, it was just such a brilliant goal, you know, regardless of the inferior opposition. Yeah, I think it was, it was just, it was goals being scored from multiple different avenues, all, you know, different players, well played, like you know, you had that beautiful outside of the foot pass from Salah for Mane. Obviously, Salah's highlight of retiring five Watford defenders. <laughs> um, the second he sat down, I mean, insert irrelevant Watford player here, <laughs> Fair enough. um, and cut back onto his left foot, you're like, oh, that's a goal, there's the goal. Um, Firmino, yeah, they were tap ins, but they were well worked plays, like oh, you said, Jeff. I was being facetious. <laughs> Milner playing some beautiful um, football down the left and, and linking up well. It's just, this is fun Liverpool. This is fun football. This is the kind of stuff that we want to see. And yeah, it may be scary for certain people who are worried <laughs> because their team are desperately hanging on at the top of the league. But, you know, it just for us, I mean, they, they've scored 22 goals off 21.5 XG. 
they are bang on. Salah's, um, you know, on 11 goal involvements in eight games. Well, yeah, uh, this is it. I mean, I'm I'm coming round, because it's impossible not to, I'm coming round to Oscar's way of thinking that they're in, incredibly scary this season because the fact they've got, um, you know, Virgil back and that, it, it affects more than just the defence, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. they are able to then press like they couldn't before they're able to 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 have a bit of confidence in their back line and and not not worry so much when moving forward and you've got when you've got Salah in that form so I think he's his goal involvements goal involvements or expected goal I can't remember which one it is actually whether it's real life or expected but they're currently running at nearly double what they were last season mm-hmm. um per 90 and uh still way higher than they were in their title winning season. Now, he's probably not going to keep up keep it up as it is at the minute because that would no, that would lead to an to. insane season. But he has to. <laughs> he has to. But, you know, it's it's not like it's just Salah, you know, Mane's low key having a really good season. Mm-hmm. When you've got Jota, as we've spoken about before, you know, Oscar was saying about how much Jota scares him. And Firmino you know they can just rotate that position. They can rotate any of those four really, and not and and still have an amazing front line. It's just quite scary. I mean, it's I still think over the course of a season, depth might be a problem, and they might come to regret getting rid of uh, Wijnaldum or letting Wijnaldum go. Um, but yeah, I'm coming round to Oscar's way of thinking at the minute. Even though it's Watford, that was such a great performance. It's it's hard not to be incredibly impressed. I mean, what happens first? Does Salah get to 20 goals or does Ranieri get fired? <laughs> uh, when's the return fixture? Um, yeah, 20 goals in a game. So one one question I have then. There was, uh, and again, I can't remember which goal it was. I don't know if it was, I think it was his hat-trick goal, maybe. The ball that was played through from Robertson, Salah's offside at the back post, uh, defender slides in, Foster makes a save, Firmino taps it in. Um, Now, it wasn't given as offside because, uh, Mm. as the commentator said, Salah wasn't involved in that phase of the game. I'm not so sure on that because Mm. if he's not there the defender isn't sliding in and making the interception that gives it to Foster. So it's just, I just think it's an interesting discussion point. Like technically he's not offside, but it kind of is. Yeah. It's an awkward one, isn't it? It kind of feeds into the, is a player by simply being in the goalkeeper's vision. Are they affecting play? Is it like in, um, I mean, we didn't cover it, but the nation's league final, um, Eric Garcia trying to intercept a ball, and Mbappe running through who was offside, you know, then going through, like, at what point is there a cutoff? And I think it's kind of the part of football that you can't really make a binary decision at that point. Yeah. I don't know, because you can say, like, well, if this person isn't here and there and there. I mean, I, you're right, it, it warrants talking about, of course. I agree, it can't be, there can't be a hard and fast rule for it, but then th- that's exactly it. There's all, all aspects of... You know, decision making in refereeing have some level of subjectivity. That's you yeah. know, uh, it, 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 that is what happens. And if we're supposed to judge about whether a player is impeding a goalkeeper's view, as you brought up there, Chuck, then it, 
then why can't we make a judgment about whether a player is interfering with play by making a run? Because how is Cathcart, and I think it was him, how is he supposed to know that that Mm -hmm. Salah was offside at the point the ball was played? He has to try and intercept that ball and he got unlucky. And he can't imagine if he just stood, you know, put his hands up, stood up and let it go through going, oh, well, I know Salah's offside. And he turned out he wasn't because there's, there was I can't remember what other goal it was this week. Oh no, of course it was um, Kane's Kane, goal. Yeah, Kane's goal. Yeah, yeah. Where like first look, you go offside. Kane thought he was offside. You know, he he, he didn't even really celebrate. You know, no. And then it, you get it back and you go, oh fuck, no, he was he was being played on. You know, so how can you possibly expect the Watford yeah. defender to, to to know that and then and then let that go through and then just assume that it's going to be offside? So if you're going to have subjectivity in things like strikers, um, yeah, getting in the way of goalkeepers' view, then I think you can make a call on this. It's, it's tricky because you don't want to go back to the days where any player is offside, even if they're in near the corner flag or whatever, mm-hmm. because obviously that is ridiculous. But it's, it, you you know, you if you're going to, Except a level of subjectivity, then I don't know. It's it's you know there are, these decisions there are, seem wrong. I think there are interesting lines, and you know I think you know I'm more than happy for a, quite a lot of people listening to you know think I'm a dinosaur for having this opinion. But like <laughs> you're among good company with Ian, mate. So, <laughs> I was going to say it'd be yeah. nice for someone else to be thought up like <laughs> Just that. Just to clarify, yeah. this is Jeff talking, not Ian. Because um, <laughs> Oscar's brother will think with you're yeah. all the same people. <laughs> he thinks this is an extended monologue. <laughs> but there are examples where you know you might have a striker is 30 yards offside right mm-hmm. just kind of milling about on the edge of the box and the ball breaks down the left hand side for example nowhere near the player but the, the winger runs onto it crosses it you know passes the ball across to him and there's no defenders anywhere near him because he was standing so far offside and he's then you know clear on goal 15 yards out or whatever He's only in that position because he was offside. So there are different phases to that play. But in my mind, that shouldn't be happening because there's a, a real advantage being taken there. And, you know, you can say they're being clever and, and that's absolutely fine. And they're, you know, they're just playing mm. to the rules that are in front of them. But, you know, that's a direct advantage gained from being in an offside position. Like in my mind, I'm like, well, no, I don't like it. See, I don't know. I've always thought, Personally, I don't know whether it's because I spent a lot of years playing rugby and obviously like if you're offside in rugby, once like your first man clears you or the person who like, let's say if a player kicks the ball forward and you're in front of them, you're offside until the player who kicks it runs in front of you and then Mm. you can make your attempt to run after the ball or whatever because if you affect play then, it's nothing. I've kind of always been of the mind that like if we're tweaking with offside rules, like why can't that happen? Like you're in an offside position, you're not going for the play and let's say someone plays the ball over the top, and then as the defenders are running back to it, once the defender runs past you, you can then go oh, and see. do it. Yeah, but that's not how it's implemented. No, of course not. And I, I think it's interesting because it's... I mean, it's a good point, Jeff, that like you know that player just shouldn't really have been there, but then can we say really how tactics should be? Should, do we modify the laws? Because it's, it's all about exploits and, and how you can find ways and... Uh, little advantages and all those kind of things, you know? It's literally, I, I think it's a bit weird that we're still fine with a goalkeeper being there and players literally standing on top of him. 
Like, <laughs> the, and then, you know, the play going on and that not being a foul on the goalkeeper when it's just the only reason you're there is to obstruct a player, for example. Um, notably, it happened to great effect with Burnley against Brighton when Neil Morpé didn't get a foul against him because all he was doing was watching Tarkowski the whole time and just trying to block him. And Tarkowski yeah. just ran fucking through him. And regardless of the fact that's Brighton and I hate Neil Morpé, like that was, I really enjoyed seeing that in the game and being it being allowed to be played. So, you know, it's just at what point do you kind of say, because you're yeah, intentionally we don't, still we don't to play. Goal, goalkeepers no. don't need any more protection. They can do what they want on the field anyway. Yeah, just punch everyone. <laughs> Unless yeah, you go I'm Lloris. a goalkeeper. I'm just going to come out and knee someone in the back and punch him in the head. I was, yeah. oh, I'm a goalkeeper. Unless it's Hugo Lloris, in which case he goes out to punch, punches someone in the face and gets sent off. So, <laughs> well, he's, he's, more he gets later, booked, he's more likely to punch himself in the face. He's so bad at coming for crosses. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I love Hugo. He's a he's a wonderful shot stopper, but commanding his area is is not in his uh, his top five strengths. No, and if we're going to talk about keepers not necessarily being in command of their area, then we'll move on to the next game, which is going to be Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2, a 1.5 XG to 0.9 there, um, which was fairly, you know, still fairly even considering, especially I think the tone of the game may have meant that Palace possibly deserved more. Um, And another absolutely sickening last kick of the game, conceding um i mean neither of them get both against brighton and here against arsenal resulted in a loss but i've got to tell you like that one hurt just a little bit four four points dropped four points dropped yes however if you look at it from the fact of i probably wouldn't have expected to get points from those games uh, it's the context but you know i think the one against brighton is Guaita's individual error and i think us going, you know, the second we took off Edward for Tompkins, I put in a Slack group that, like, I do not like this. I don't understand why when you have a, a 4-3-3, which is working really well, and you're controlling possession higher up the pitch and alleviating that defensive pressure by just having the ball elsewhere, which has been effective for us in games, why we would then switch to three centre-backs for the first time shut it down, tried to play like a 5-4-1. Um, it was very, very strange. And it's kind of, you know, I don't want to seem down on it, because, but I think our main weakness, and it's probably one of the only Vieira mistakes, definitely mistakes he's made, because sometimes he's made subs and they've worked really, really well. And twice um, against Brighton and here against Arsenal, I don't think they've been the best. Um, but set pieces and second balls and third balls like we are it's becoming a big running theme now that like we're quite weak on them i mean i i fucking love this team like i'm just gonna say it out here like it hurt but i was over it because you look at everyone saying how much we outplayed the fact that you had like arsenal celebrating so massively about a draw like that at the emirates like we're, we're not supposed to be that we're we're you know, after our eight games, you look at Sky Sports had the stats up that we literally have had the hardest fixture, opening fixtures. Um, the average position of the teams we've played is 5.6 in the league. Um, and to have average a point per game, have not lost at home, and to have only lost against Chelsea and Liverpool, 
two of arguably the best teams in the world. Like, I'm feeling good, but I mean, you guys don't have to say a hell of a lot here, but Jeff, do you want to uh, comment on the Arsenal side, perhaps, or, or anything you're feeling about Palace? Or No, I'll be honest, I didn't catch a lot of the game uh, on Monday night, so, you know, it just, just highlights. Um, but I think, echoing what you said about the, the system seems to just be working really nicely and the players fit in it nicely. I, I don't know if, you know, you, you've mentioned before on here about Milivojevic, you know, I don't think he adds much. I think, you know, once mm-hmm. he's replaced that, that may then take you up a level. Um, I think Michael Elise, when he came on, was just so exciting. Again, surely at some point he, he, he kind of starts ahead of AU. Um, <laughs> surely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I, I, you know, the signs are all, are all very promising. Um, from an Arsenal standpoint, it felt, and again, I I didn't see the whole game, but it felt like they had a lot of the ball and didn't necessarily do a lot with it. Was that your take? Um, yeah, it it kind of was like that. Arsenal weren't really doing anything for a while. I mean, they went ahead early, um, and I was a bit upset about that. Again, not it was a terrible corner that went over the top, and we didn't follow it up well enough, or at least you know, are you overcommitted um, to that? And Pepe just kind of exploited this place. Uh, Guaita made a really good save there, but you know Aubameyang is gambling and and was in a position that probably MacArthur didn't expect him to, and just kind of did quite a smart finish for what could easily be perceived as a bit of a tap in at the back post. I think he had quite a bit to do actually there. Um, but then the response after that for like the rest of the half was fantastic. And then obviously coming into the second half, Ayu getting a high press and it's something that maybe Arsenal fans think is a foul. I don't give a fuck. It's football. Um, and then falling to Benteke <laughs> and getting a really nice hit. Really nice hit from outside the box. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. I'll be fair over whatever you want. And then, you know, like you said, Michael Elise coming on. Um, The Edward goal. I mean, it was fantastic that A, it was a high press up the pitch that won the ball back. And it was Gallagher, Olise and Edward, three players who are new this season, have hardly played together. And I think it's just indicative of Vieira making a stamp on his team and getting that uh, uh, getting that kind of imprint in because the players all love playing for him. They've really bought into to what he wants and what they're looking for. I loved that Edward strike. Yeah, oh, it was kind so of, good. Kind of a couple of little touches, little touches, little touches, boom. Didn't look at yeah. the goal, didn't think about it too much, just just focused on hitting the ball mm-hmm. with the best contact he could. And it, mm. and obviously, you know, any goal that hits the crossbar as it goes in is, is obviously you know, oh, much, much better. It, it's at least, <laughs> I'd say it's three better. I'd say it's always three better. <laughs> it's worth three um, goals. <laughs> it's worth, no, not three goals. It's just three better. Um, oh, okay. And obviously Understood. £50 million defender Benjamin, remember we must call him Benjamin now, in the weirdest <laughs> interview of all time, if you haven't seen that. <laughs> Classic yeah, Jeff odd. Shreve's journalism there. Um, <laughs> you know, backing off him, backing off him was a bit weird, but yeah. When, you know, I, when I first saw it, I didn't know if he was... I saw him backing off, but I, I was like, well, is he trying to cut off or make the pass out wide more difficult? But then I saw it again. I was like, well, actually, he's, he's just kind of backed off a bit too much. I think maybe he just lost where he was, probably. And, yeah. that, and, and he gave him so much space that it was like, well, there's no one on the right. He's not going to, you know, he could still tap it on his right and go out. But, you know, he just fucking banged it through Ramsdale, um, <laughs> which was lovely to see. But, you know, the Lacazette hit at the end is kind of from a deflection. And so... 
yeah, you know, it's just that's just a bit worrying. Do you think James MacArthur should have gone for basically just kicking Saka off the ball? What do you want me to say, mate? Would you, um, <laughs> he's, not, he's not asked. Proper football. Um, <laughs> you know, Dino, Dino gonna Dino. I can't be one of those Palace fans that's wound up that Arsenal scored in the fifth minute of four minutes added on and we're allowed to keep playing and then also not recognise that maybe James MacArthur <laughs> should have been sent off. So it's like, mm-hmm. so what I'm taking is just the neutral stance on both. But I'm not saying MacArthur should have been sent off and I'm not saying... Arsenal didn't get time, extra time added on to to allow them to score that goal. How about that? Does that count as being fair? Well, yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> again, not not really sure what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> but but what what might act as a as an interesting segue is there was more added time added on there. But in the Brentford Chelsea game, there was at mm. least two minutes in the in the added on time of Chelsea players laying on the floor and about. 35 seconds of additional time to the extra time was added on. I found that interesting. Mm. Maybe it was because they were all whinging at uh, the referee, whoever the referee was, I can't remember, um, that, that, you know, always is quite harsh on them. And, uh, you know, that can kind of be our, our last game to touch on properly, as it were. Um, we don't really need to say a lot here because Oscar says it all anyway. But um, Chelsea scraping, the champions of Europe scraping a 1-0 win against promoted Brentford. Brentford generating five times the XG of Chelsea, a 1.5 to 0.3. I mean, the story here really isn't about Chelsea. It's this Brentford team, man. Like, I I think the the fear Oscar has about Liverpool is kind of the fear I have about Brentford at the level of team I am, uh, my team's at, because they're so good. They shouldn't be this good. I don't know. And and going back to what we said about Liverpool, they're just so much fun. Like, they, they, the last... I mean, how they didn't score. It, mm. I mean, oh, yeah, Ed, Edouard I, Mendy. I know, Edouard Mendy. <laughs> that's how they didn't score. Yeah, I mean, I, I know how they didn't score because they they kind of kept on hitting the post, um, and Mendy Ugh. made a series of, of great saves. But you know, with his face, the last, the last twenty minutes was just a uh, just a bombardment. And it was mm-hmm. like not in a not in a Wimbledon. Let's just stick all the centre backs in the box and launch it. <laughs> like Run it for was the teenagers it, there. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was fun bombardment. It was like they just were, were creating chances from all different angles and all you know, in all manner of ways. And all right, there were a lot of long throws, but you know, part and parcel of it. But it was real good fun, and not because mm. it was Chelsea that were you know, up against it. It was just it was a good game to watch. Yeah, I think I think tactically they're they're well set up. Um, you know, Thomas Frank has had time to work and build this team um, based on obviously it's you know it's it's heavily stats led. That's not uh, a secret at this point. And you know myself especially, and I will hold my hands up and say like I didn't think that they could make the step up, but like they're proving everything wrong. Palace getting the nil nil against Brentford looks like a better result each and every week. Yeah, because. Just because how exactly what you're saying, Jeff, they're playing fun. They know exactly what they're doing. And, you know, Bumo hits the post twice, one at each end. Tony is helping to link up the play really, really well. Their, their wing backs, or at least Rico Henry's super attacking. Uh, and they're, they're just pushing, pushing, pushing all the time and not showing 
any fear, any deference to these teams. And when the manager's coming out and earnestly, I think he's, I don't think Thomas Frank has necessarily an arrogance about him, but a real confidence and quite aware of himself and his team and, and what they are and who they are. And he comes out and literally, and literally, I believe him fully when he says like, yeah, you know, we look at that game and we just played against them and we should have won that. And they they should have won that. Well, and I think the key thing for Brentford as the season progresses will be how much the system is the, the, the key factor and how right. much and how much the players within that system are. Because inevitably, there will be a few games where they have a couple of injuries, a couple of suspensions, mm-hmm. maybe maybe both. And at that point, I think you'll then see, okay, like I say, is it the system? Can you just slot someone else into that 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 piece of the puzzle, and everyone knows exactly what they're doing, and it and it's just one for one. I think I think they have that. I think they have that because so many of these players have have been together for so long, and like they've already changed the style they played to come into the Premier League. You know, they're playing far more. Like we said before, like they got high pressed against Liverpool, so they just went, all right, we're just mm-hmm. gonna play it over the top of you, and just play knockdowns, and just be like, we're you know Ivan Tony going up against Virgil Van Dijk and it's just not mattering. Five foot ten, famously now Ivan Tony, <laughs> yeah. which I didn't believe. And Wikipedia said he's six foot two, but the Brentford website says he's five foot ten, and I don't know what to think anymore. Well, here, here's another one that I saw the other day that that Kyle Walker is five foot eleven, and or maybe even five ten. I think five eleven, and Luke Shaw is six one. I, I would have definitely had those the other way around. Yeah, Luke Shaw six one. So I mean, when because if it all looks in proportion, he must have weighed about eighteen stone at some point. <laughs> No, surely he actually weighs less than Kyle Walker. They said as well. Apparently, there you go. You know, huh. Walker's got them hefty thighs, uh, hefty calves. Sorry, where he has to cut holes in in his socks to fit yeah. them in. You know, yeah. but just just going back to um, just going back to Mbumo though, and hitting the post. Uh, mm-hmm. He's now hit the post six times this season. Um, I think the next person, I think I think one one other player's hit the post twice, and then there's a, twice, a bunch of yeah. players on one. Um, at some point, they're gonna they're gonna start flying in, right? Yeah, I think the the link up that him and and Tony have that's not in a, I mean, it, I mean it's not big man little man. I would say it is, but Tony's not a big man, so I don't know what, what he's doing. Like, <laughs> Evidently, <laughs> he's a target man, and and it, and it explains why people said before that like he's an incredibly mobile target man because his his aerial ability and his leap is phenomenal. His strength is incredible. He's pacey. He's incredibly intelligent. Knows where it is, and that's why I think where he's made the the step up. And I think rightfully, Jeff, you know, we said about you and, and obviously the, the step down in championship numbers is to be expected. But where he's performed really well this year is in the assists and in his link-up play um, because his, his expected assists are much higher than his expected goals for this year. And I think that just kind of shows how much of a smart system and adaptation they've kind of made to, to mm-hmm. the Premier League the fact that they're not just relying on what they were before um, I've spoken enough to get my stats up and he's fifth in the league for expected assists on, on 2.5 um, and his XG's at 2.3 so total non-penalty goal involvements is at about 4-ish so he's in top 10 in the league for creativity in a promoted side that haven't necessarily had the easiest start to the season so they're fun you are welcome, Brentford, for Tony. Welcome. <laughs> However vicariously you want to live. Um, <laughs> you know, 
Just to kind of briefly touch on it, teams that were once fun, uh, again, Leeds fans, I'm going to apologise because you're clearly just fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Utterly fucked. No no Rafinha, no party. No Rafinha, no Bamford, no (laughs) anyone. Um, (laughs) Southampton generating 11 times their XG. Um, Oh, really good Brighton. Oh, another three (laughs) points um, in a nil-nil draw against Norwich. Norwich, Norwich, Huddersfield. Um, who's that guy? Sergeant, it's the, the the American striker mm. who tried to pass it into the net from twenty five <laughs> yards away. Um, they should revoke his visa. Um, <laughs> just get out of Norwich. Dealey is not happy. You're not getting any of the mustard. Um, and then Everton, West Ham. West Ham continue to be um, West Ham in their West Ham way this year. Um, David Moyes. Um, stinging them with with a, a late Ogbonna. Uh, so yeah, so that wraps up the fixtures. Um, should we have a little predictor league update? Do you want that? Oh yeah, why not? Do you want a bit why of not? that? Oh, predictor league. Um, I can't do jingles and host guys. You just, no worries, mate. You've done yeah. a lot of talking. You've done a lot of talking. Yeah, you know, it just it would cost too much otherwise. Um, so obviously predictor league, you all know what it's about. At the very bottom of the league, we do have two children, um, so you know we won't <laughs> humiliate them and scar them for life anyway. But they're on a hundred and thirty and a hundred and eighteen points. Good lord, uh, not good. A low score is a good score. We then move up the league. Uh, just some kind of highlights. Um, Oscar Dalton on seventy six, and the man Jeff Pedder himself on seventy six points. Uh, yeah, joint thirty second, mate. That's good. Isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, happy with how that. Many, how many? How many people in the league? How many people in the league? Thirty-nine. <laughs> so you know, you're you're down there. You're sort of hmm. not quite Peterborough level yet. You're you're probably. I'd say you're okay. about a forest. You're about a forest. <laughs> oh, um, down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving slowly up the league. Ian, your spawn is in joint twenty-sixth. Okay. Um, still in the family for now, then. Yep, that Arsenal fan, what replaced me that one week, um, is in joint 22nd <laughs> with uh, producer himself, Mr. Mark Daffin. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Ian, 13th. Okay. 13th. I am joint 10th with my better half on 60 points. Oscar's winning, which is fucking ridiculous, oh, out of us what? three, on 58. Oh, out of us three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Out of us three. Sorry, I buried the lead there. <laughs> and then there's some other people, a few others, blah, 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 blah. And then the top three, Ruben Byman on 54, Andy Penpraise. Uh, you might know him. He's from Sutton. He's on 52. And then storming ahead, the stat man himself, the wonder from down under, Mr. Dave Mateo. Okay. Forty. Four. So a nice. bit of a lead there. Obviously still a long, long way to go. Um, but there's your predictor league update for the next five weeks. Um, you know, we want to give uh, an extra bit of a shout out to our patrons. We've had a few uh, updates this week, haven't we, Ian? We have, yeah. Andy Pempreys, who I don't know if you know, he's from Sutton. Um, uh, it's come up once or twice. Yep, he's upgraded to uh, producer level. So we've now got four producers. <laughs> <laughs> not not including me. Uh, I I feel like I need a better. Na- I I think I should be downgraded to editor or something now because we've got actual producers. It seems um, creative assistant. Could you could I you be CTO? <laughs> Chief technical officer. Chief <laughs> COT. Chief old twat. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, well, I'm not happy. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy with how that went. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. Um, 
But we also have a new Patreon. I mean, we should do a fanfare for that, but the only one I've got, as you know, really long. Yeah, I mean, you can fade it out. <laughs> okay. Or you can just talk over it for this time. I'll let you. We call that a dip and cue. I uh, mean, it is baroquely <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it is, yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike you say Hauser. it really quick, welcome, Mike Hauser. <laughs> now fade it up, fade it up, fade it up, quick. Beautiful. Beautiful, See, that. I'm nothing if not audio cueable. Um, <laughs> yes, Mike Hauser comes on board at the stats robots level, um, so gets himself the slack, the Lovely. extra pods, and the statistical goodness. Um, you know, we've said before about we're following it with a few bets, and we are currently off £10 bets on every fixture, just over £200 up so far for the season. Wow. So, not too shabby. That's pretty good. Um, They're so good you, stats. You, yeah, good stats. Patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod for more information. Um, before we go to fixtures, we want to uh, give Jeff the opportunity to shine because, Jeff, you run, um, I mean, you know, there's only one predictor league, uh, but you <laughs> run quite a fantastic prediction game if it's you want to so give our many some listeners uh, that aren't in the league uh, a bit of a, a sales pitch on what you do thank you very much um yeah for those of you not um on the, on the patreon and on the slack um firstly what are you doing um these guys are great the work they do is great the slack channel is um you know if carlsberg made slack channels uh, need i say more always um, liked you jeff always, always. liked you <laughs> But more importantly, what I do um, is uh, <laughs> fine. Yeah, well taken. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I, 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 with a couple of a uh, couple of other good friends, help to run a prediction website. So there are two hundred and fifty. Let's let's kind of say that because I don't know the exact number or so. People broken out into multiple uh, tiered leagues. So you've got Division One, a couple of Division Twos, four Division Threes, etc., etc. So the pyramid. It's a pyramid. The, it's uh, a pyramid. <laughs> Love yeah. it. It gets the it, the cream rises to the top the quicker, uh, which is which is great. You don't have to spend a million years fighting your way through sixteen divisions. Uh, there are multiple uh, league competitions. There are Champions League style uh, competitions based on previous seasons' excerpts. There are European and World Cup competitions, promotion, relegation, playoffs. Um, and plenty of stats for you to get involved with as well. It's completely free to play. Just uh, hit me up if you fancy joining. Obviously, you're a bit late this season, uh, but uh, you may as well still get involved and uh, whet your appetite for next season. And let's be honest, you can probably still catch Chuck. Uh, uh, yeah, I've had a bit of a bad run, to be fair. I started off the season really well, but now not. Yeah, it's it's really good. I will say it's it's a lot of fun. Um, really, really simple Just uh, and, and a well organized website i think uh to literally just pop in the scores and where you think and there's there's unbelievable levels of stats and comparisons and all this kind of stuff you can get so definitely hit up mr jeff pedder himself on the twitters where can they find you on twitter jeff on twitter just open twitter he's there <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm on the, i'm on the front page he's on the front page <laughs> ubiquitous isn't on twitter yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's uh jeff underscore pedder um, or just find me uh, via the, the Mars Offside pod uh, feed, which I'm actively replying uh, uh, in, with abuse to. Mm. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it, 
we are what we are. Um, so we uh, move on now to fixtures before Ian presses the button. I'll have to do it really quick again because my voice hurts when I do that. We've got another Friday night game week, but you probably just go out on Friday night because it's Arsenal again. Um, Arsenal at home to Aston Villa. Uh, we then kick off Saturday with Chelsea versus Norwich. Um, triple captain Lukaku? Yeah? Mm. Probably not. not. Not on his form, no. no. Norwich to win. Um, <laughs> Palace have got Newcastle. <laughs> Fuck me if we lose that one or give that one away at the end. I'll be livid. Everton play Watford. Leeds, Wolves, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton, the mighty, mighty Brighton, absolutely shiten, um, host Manchester City, please be a dicking, um, Brentford against Leicester, West Ham against Spurs, and Man United, Liverpool in some sort of derby, some probably. Decent games there. Some decent games. Um, Jeff, you touched on it before. What's kind of your predictions with how you think um, West Ham are going to do against Spurs? Spurs are going to do against West Ham. I took that completely wrong, but never mind. <laughs> We're at the end now. We're not going to edit this out. How do you feel about Spurs' chances? Uh, amazing. Um... <laughs> it's a sight to behold, isn't it, live? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it will be a cagey affair. Actually, I don't imagine this to be a goal fest. If I was going to you know, just completely sit on the fence, I'd, I'd go for kind of a one-all draw. But I... I yeah, I fancy us to maybe sneak it. I think a little, coming into a little bit of form, I think we can. Uh, I think we yeah. can nick a winner. Have you got the away game in the uh, Conference League this week? Do you know what? I do not know. This is there we that, go. That, that probably displays the uh, level of interest We're I have in that endorsement in UEFA's <laughs> Europa Conference League. Um, I I don't even know who's. I couldn't tell you the teams that are in our group, and we've played two of them. <laughs> Well, there we go. Um, I've also completely forgotten that Oscar recorded a 30-second thing about Chelsea. Do we want to play it now or should we just Yeah, he'll be furious if we don't. Bang it in. Okay, so let's put it right at the end to make sure he listens. Here you go. Hey, guys. Really sorry to be missing the show this week, but here's my 30-second thoughts on Chelsea. Uh, top of the league, mate. Points don't lie. Table don't lie. Love being the best team in the world. Um, also, the 3-5-2 continues to not be good, which is frustrating because we like had an almost perfect team last year. Uh, addressed the one need we had, which was finishing, and then instead of just slotting in a perfect finisher into an almost perfect system, we have changed it, and it looks worse, and we are decidedly a mid-table team, which sucks, but up the blues, first place, let's fucking go. Believe it or not, when he says 30 seconds, he actually does 30 seconds. Your team shit, Ian, start the music, and let's get the flock out of here. So, thank you. Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for stepping in at such late notice. Um, we hope you've had a good time. It's been an absolute joy. Uh, great to speak to you guys live and see how this all works so slick in the background. Um, yeah, thanks very much. In a way, say goodbye, Ian Stimson. <laughs> thanks, cheers, bye. Thanks, Johnny Worthington, Nate Witt and Mark Dafford and Andy Premprey!